Welcome to the Nativity Podcast, where we explore the Christian faith through scripture, reason, and tradition. I'm Father Jason Emerson, and I thank you for tuning in. Today, we have part two of my conversation with Joel and Amy Pakin on Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. If you are joining us for the first time, check out last week's episode so you can know where we are in the conversation this week. Fair enough? All right, let's get into it. Did you also notice that there isn't an active battle as far as like the action word is withstand, stand, stand, <laughs> and do some more standing, right? It's about standing firm. It's not about running toward other with a, a sword of the spirit or, um, you know, getting on your horse to proclaim the gospel. It is standing. Hmm. So we're putting on this armor to stand. And the struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, um, and so there's this, this, I'm curious, and just as we were bringing up how it, this scripture was used in our childhoods and evangelical circles, how is this tradition, how is this scripture used in like the nonviolent resistant efforts of the civil rights movement? Yeah. To stand. Right. To stand firm with prayer as your yep. uh, your vulnerable weapon, if you will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and right. uh and recognize that they're that the 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 blood and flesh standing in front of you, maybe even opposing you, maybe even harming you, is a physical representation, manifestation of a deeper spiritual battle that's going on. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um and so right. You know, that that gives us the opportunity to to recognize that the person in front of us is redeemable mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to stand not attack but to stand in opposition uh of of what the other person is doing and while also praying for them to be redeemed for that person to be redeemed Mm-hmm. And um, that that you know, how do you pray for Bull Connor? It's a hard yep. thing to do, um, but and you're not going to do it if you don't spend time praying in preparation to yeah. even be prepared to pray for the person, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. you need the spiritual training of communing with God and working on yourself to the point you can. Pray for God to give you the ability to pray for the other. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. A strange, also, it's a strange loop. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, I, I think I think you're um, uh, placing it in nonviolence resistance is lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I was just noting in in chapter 11 that um, it's God's mm-hmm. armor. Verse 11. Verse, <laughs> chapter 11. <laughs> yeah, you Verse 11. Yeah, you know, that it's, that it's, um, that it's, that it's God's armor. Yeah. That, that was a real spinal tap moment. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Your Ephesians goes up to 11. <laughs> it's five one, more. It's one, no, it's, it's, it's one more louder. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I broke in there. You're, you're no, no, right. Yeah. Verse 11, 
Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and, and it just kind of transcends this whole kind of idea of offense and defense. It's, it's something completely other, um, otherworldly. Um, interesting. It also makes me wonder because um, in our seminary experience, we talked about um, powers and principalities. Um, systems that were put in place, um, you know, historically, uh, either in our country, in our, um, uh, even in our seminary experience that kept um, power in place and didn't share that power, right? And um, so if we're talking about powers, if we're talking about spiritual forces in the heavenly places, and powers and principalities are part of that, um, there is always going to be uh, pushback when you stand um, for the things that invite more people to the table of leadership, of power, of all of those things, right? Mm -hmm. um, and those are people being invited to the table against systems, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that's the other thing that this text really brings to my mind is um, that when we talk about, you know, spiritual forces in the heavenly places, we're also talking about powers and structures and, um, yeah. Did they make you read um, Walter, Walter Wink? When you were in seminary, yep, yeah, we read yeah, some, we, we read some Wink, yeah. So, um, for our listeners, Walter Wink was a uh, New Testament scholar and theologian who is, I don't remember exactly when he died. He's been dead for a bit now. Yeah, uh, yeah. but in the '80s, came out with a trilogy of books um, on the powers, on the powers and the principalities, yeah. naming the powers unmasking the powers and engaging the powers, I think is the name of the three of them. And so, you know, um, I was hearing, I was hearing echoes of Walter Wink <laughs> in what you were saying, uh, Amy, and just wanted to point folks to that resource as well. Um, but it's, yeah, it changes the way you think about um, reading. I remember when I read Wink, it changed the way I thought about demonic possession. Mm. Uh, Tell me more. Yeah, because um, we, you know, I grew up with you know movies. <laughs> that was the, it was either, uh, it was either movies or going to backwoods Pentecostal churches with my friends. That was the mm. two places where you know uh, uh, demonic possession was either discussed or portrayed, uh, portrayed. Um, and so, you know, we have this image of it being an individualistic thing of a demon going into a person and taking control of them. Mm -hmm. um, and um, reading Wink, and he talks about principalities and powers and that there is a spirit behind an institution. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and he writes a lot about the book of Revelation and the seven angels of the seven churches and, and takes that to mean that behind every formation of an institution, there is a spirit behind it mm. and the brick and mortar and the, the 
the chairs and the tables and the altars and the candles and the pews and the people are a physical manifestation of that spirit that's behind it. Mm. Wow. And an institution can can be on the side of the angels or on the side of the demons to, mm. to be reductive about it and can so you know demonic possession isn't the exorcist right it's rather what is the spirit behind an institution and the way it's being manifested uh mm. in the world physically manifested in the world um and so it was like oh that's a much because i was you know um very much in my recovering Baptist head at the moment. It's like, this is not something I want to talk about. Demon possession is not something I'm going to roll with anymore. <laughs> that was, that was, you know, um, uh, uh, that was not a, a lineage of thought that I could carry on anymore. Uh, yeah. in that way, when, when I read Wink, it was like, Oh, okay. You know, and just the whole thing of, I tend to read this as an individual speaking to me as an individual, which the church in Ephesus never would have read this text. Right. right. It would read aloud in community would be probably the only way they would engage with it. Yep. Right. And so it was to a group of people and, and it's always, um, Oh, who was that guy's name? He's a friend of Shane Claiborne and he lives in North Carolina and he has this whole bit about how most of the word, most of the time, the word you in scripture uh, is should be translated as y'all. Yeah, mm -hmm. right. Plural. It's not singular. It's plural in the grammar of both Greek and Hebrew mm -hmm. most of the time in Scripture. But we have the same word for singular and plural in English, unless you speak Southern. Um, and then you get to use the inclusive term of y'all. Well, you could uh, upstate New York has used guys. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I don't think it's as pretty as y'all. <laughs> Doesn't quite roll off the tongue. <laughs> no, you know, but I also think about you know when you talk about context, the early church radically changed systems to be community, mm -hmm. right? Like, so if you think about the the hierarchy of the way that society was structured, there were the wealthy and there were the super poor. And you had to like work, work, work your way up um, to in society advance, right? Women were never going to be in that category. Um, those who were ill or had any kind of um, disability were not allowed to advance. And with the structure of the early church, they tore down all of those walls. Like all of a sudden um, there was no longer Jew or Greek. There was no longer slave or free. There was no longer male or female. And when you implement that kind of new structure, it's going to make people raise their eyebrows and your leader like Paul is going to be imprisoned because you are in the name of Jesus radically changing a system that was set up for the powerful to remain in power, right? And I, I wonder, you know, how much of this uh, Paul was wrestling with as he, as he wrote this um, to encourage those in the community to 
to stand firm in leveling the playing field, making it equal, making leadership and power um, one where all could be involved in that. Yeah, like the rulers, right? That's a hierarchical kind of uh, power, authorities, hierarchical power. Um, Yeah, it's interesting, right? And the early church was... um, just kind of drew from a different, they just saw authority to have a different, uh, yeah, valence, I guess, is maybe the word I'm thinking of. Well, and it was a um, a, um, theology of the Roman Empire that Caesar was God, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, And so to to be up against authorities rulers and authorities was to go up against the theology of the empire right uh and it's in, uh, and so um again that those are physical manifestations of something that's going on behind that mm-hmm. it says against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places mm-hmm. So the, the spiritual forces of evil are active in the heavenly places. They're not coming at us from hell. Mm. Right, right. Yeah, mm. no, I, and, I noticed that too, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, okay, what's going on with that? And it's just, right. it just goes back to that different understanding of the, the universe. Like they literally thought beyond the sky right. was the heavens, and there was a conflict going on in the heavens between God and evil spiritual forces, right? Mm. And, um, you know, we have pierced the heavens. We have a different construction of the universe. Um, and so, you know, what does that mean for us now? Uh, or a way to, how can we, how can we engage with this text in our context when literally our understanding of the universe is so radically different? That it doesn't align. It doesn't. There is no. Com- there is no comparison. There's only contrast. Uh, so even though in our you know English translation, um, spiritual forces of evil doesn't get capitalized, whereas sword of the spirit or pray in the spirit does. They're both versions of of pneuma mm. in the Greek, and so it's it's it is that. Um, darkness and light, um, balance of, um, you know, good and evil. Um, and so it's the, uh, against the breath of the evil, um, the, the breathing force of evil in the heavenly places. Um, if we were to continue that translation, the sword of the breath, which is the word of God, um, uh, going the opposite direction of the breath of the evil. It's interesting. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think we have, I I always feel that we've cracked open scripture well enough when we get to the point that we come out of it with more questions than we have more questions (laughs) than we had when we walked in. So, (laughs) Uh, so any last closing thoughts? Prayer is a good thing. 
Do your breathing exercises. Mm. Yep. And I'll combine the two of you and say, do your breathing exercises as you pray. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Yeah, man. And if you're yep. doing breathing exercises while you're praying with other people around, please wear a mask and <laughs> get Amen. vaccinated. Get vaccinated. Oh. Wear a mask. Take care of your neighbor. Um, mm. the, the spiritual forces don't want you to do that. So, so do it. Oh, if you're yeah. on a cord. Yeah, it is, um, it is. Good, good. Uh, the spiritual forces of evil don't want you to do that, so do it of your own accord. That's what I should say. Yep. Um, I want to give my thanks to Joel and Amy Pakin for joining us today. Hope y'all have a, uh, a blessed time out there in South Dakota and look forward to our paths crossing again soon. Thank y'all so much. Thank, Thank you, you Jason. Jason. Yeah, good to see you. Well, and uh, uh, uh hear you, I guess. Uh, we're looking at each other, but this is going to be a podcast. So um, good to be with you. You've been listening to the Nativity Podcast, where we explore the faith through scripture, reason, and tradition. Thanks very much to our special guests, Joel and Amy Pakin. In addition to being Lutheran pastors, they are also the band Tangled Blue. You can check out their music at www.tangledblue.com. Again, that's www.tangledblue.com. If you came to the podcast through iTunes, we would love a five-star rating and review. You can also find us on Spotify. If you'd like to support this ministry, you can do so online. Go to the Church of the Nativity website, www.nativityfto.org donate. I'm Father Jason Emerson from the Church of the Nativity asking you to never forget, God loves you more than you can possibly imagine.